Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 104. At the time of this recording, Bitcoin is trading at $6,615. Mm, Now that's gravy. That's right, that's gravy because today Bitcoin is trading at $2,000 more than it was one year ago today. So if you've been holding or hodling, nice job, carry on. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South. I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, right by my side. Maxwell normally says hello, but he's asleep right now. It is a hot and muggy day here in Nashville. Dangerous to go outside. Those mosquitoes might get you. It's 86 degrees with 54% humidity here in the first week of October 2018. In this episode, in celebration of Columbus Day, I reveal the true Christopher Columbus, the world-famous mariner, explorer, murderer, rapist, and slave master. We will dig a bit deeper than our public school history books to find out the truth about how the early Spanish were some of the true early terrorists in the Americas. I like to play this excerpt every year from a show I did three years ago wherein I dissect the truth about Christopher Columbus and dispel the myths about the man. We are still taught in public schools that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Well, uh, (laughs) historians and people who are a little bit more awake now know that that is completely false. Christopher Columbus did not discover America. We're also taught that, for the most part, he was a pretty decent guy, and that's why we celebrate him on Columbus Day. Historians also know now that Columbus was an incredibly cruel and violent individual, as were the men that he hung out with, those other crazy Spanish dudes of that time. Some people may ask how this show relates to Bitcoin or to blockchain, and my answer is simple. I hope that a day is coming soon when we will have a decentralized internet so that when we have crazy events happen or wars happen, that those people who are there watching and uh, capturing the events on their cell phone videos or what have you, that those will be then broadcast on a decentralized YouTube of sorts, maybe a Steemit or something like that, and that they will not be censored, that they will not be taken down. We will get to see the actual footage of what happened at a live event, whether it's a terrorist event or a false flag event or what have you. So I think that what we now call history uh, will be rewritten by real historians in the future um, with careful research, and then that information will be put on the Bitcoin blockchain or on a public ledger or on an internet that cannot be censored or manipulated by a third party or taken down or destroyed in any way, that it will live on and truth and history will live on in an indelible, immutable fashion. So enough said, please enjoy this episode wherein I dissect the truth about Christopher Columbus Happy Native American Day to everyone. 
I hope that in the future there is no Columbus Day that we cease to honor a man who does not deserve to be honored in any way, shape, or form. And I hope that we can turn this day into a day where we honor all Native peoples of the Americas. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great one. Bye. Happy Columbus Day, listeners. Let's see here. Christopher Columbus, born 1451, died 1506. A quote here from We Were Not Savages by Daniel and Paul. The event that led European nations to destroy many of the civilizations of two continents and drastically diminish the remainder resulted from what was an almost impossible accident of fate. If it had not already occurred, it would be virtually impossible to envision. In 1492, Christopher Columbus, on a sea voyage to chart a shortcut to the Indies, funded by Queen Isabella of Spain, set the stage for the rape of American civilizations by going astray at sea. By chance, he eventually landed on a small island in the Caribbean Sea populated by a defenseless and friendly pacifist race of people the Taino, T-A-I-N-O. These people were ripe for picking by unscrupulous men, and Columbus and his crew pillaged with impunity. The blind luck that led him to land on this small defenseless island instead of somewhere else along the thousands of miles of North and South American coastline where people wouldn't have been so complacent is akin to finding a needle in a haystack. In retrospect, if he had instead landed in a non-pacifist country, such as that of the Iroquois or Maya, history would have turned out differently. Their warriors would have fought back ferociously, very probably ending his voyage on the American side of the Atlantic. If this had happened, and no Europeans had appeared for another century, population growth and technology development would have reduced the possibility of European colonization considerably. However, history turned out the way it did, and no amount of fantasizing can change that. If Christopher Columbus were alive today, he would be put on trial for crimes against humanity. Columbus' reign of terror, as documented by noted historians, was so bloody, his legacy so unspeakably cruel, that Columbus makes a modern villain like Saddam Hussein or Dick Cheney look like a pale codfish. Here are the basics. On the second Monday in October each year, we celebrate Columbus Day. We teach our school kids a cute little song that goes, In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, etc. It's an American tradition, as American as pizza pie. Or is it? 
Surprisingly, the true story of Christopher Columbus has very little in common with the myth we all learned in school. Columbus Day as we know it in the United States was invented by the Knights of Columbus, a Catholic fraternal service organization. Back in the 1930s, they were looking for a Catholic hero as a role model their kids could look up to. In 1934, as a result of lobbying by the Knights of Columbus, Congress and President Franklin Roosevelt signed Columbus Day into law as a federal holiday to honor this courageous <clears throat> explorer, or so we thought. There are several problems with this. First of all, Columbus wasn't the first European to discover America. As we all know, the Viking Leif Erikson probably founded a Norse village in Newfoundland some 500 years earlier. So hats off to Leif, but if you think about it, the whole concept of discovering America is, well, it's arrogant, right? After all, the Native Americans discovered North America about 14,000 years before Columbus was even born. Surprisingly, DNA evidence now suggests that courageous Polynesian adventurers sailed dugout canoes across the Pacific and settled in South America long before the Vikings. Second, Columbus wasn't a hero. When he set foot on that sandy beach in the Bahamas on October 12, 1492, Columbus discovered that the islands were inhabited by friendly, peaceful people called the Lucayans, Tainos, and Arawaks. Writing in his diary, Columbus said they were a handsome, smart, and kind people. He noted that the gentle Arawaks were remarkable for their hospitality. A quote from Christopher Columbus. They offered to share with anyone, and when you ask for something, they never say no. And just so my listeners know, that was not actually Christopher Columbus. That was my impersonation of Christopher Columbus. And now another quote by Christopher Columbus from his log. Saturday, October 13th, the 13th of October, way back in 1492, Columbus wrote, At daybreak, great multitudes of men came to the shore, all young and of fine shapes, very handsome, their hair not curled but straight and coarse like horsehair, and all with foreheads and heads much broader than any people I had hitherto seen. Their eyes were large and very beautiful. They were not black, but the color of the inhabitants of the Canaries, which is a very natural circumstance, they being in the same latitude with the island of Faro in the Canaries. They were straight-limbed without exception, and not with prominent bellies, but handsomely shaped. Oh, such beautiful words by Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Just warms my heart to hear him talk about those people and what wonderful people they were. Uh, let's see here. Uh, where were we? The Arawaks had no weapons. Their society had neither criminals, prisons, nor prisoners. They were so kind-hearted that Columbus noted in his diary that on the day the Santa Maria was shipwrecked, the Arawaks labored for hours to save his crew and cargo. The native people were so honest that not one thing was missing. Columbus was so impressed with the hard work of these gentle islanders that he immediately seized their land for Spain and enslaved them to work in his brutal gold mines. Within only two years, 125,000, half of the population of the original natives on the island, were dead. 
If I were a Native American, I would mark October 12, 1492 as a black day on my calendar. Shockingly, Columbus supervised the selling of Native girls into sexual slavery. Young girls of the ages 9 to 10 were the most desired by his men. In 1500, Columbus casually wrote about it in his log. He said, a hundred he said, a hundred Castellanos are as easily obtained for a woman as for a farm. It is very general, and there are plenty of dealers who go about looking for girls. Those from nine to ten are now in demand. Great guy that Columbus. He forced these peaceful natives to work in his gold mines until they died of exhaustion. If an Indian worker did not deliver his full quota of gold dust by Columbus' deadline, soldiers would cut off the man's hands and tie them around his neck to send a message. Slavery was so intolerable for these sweet, gentle island people that at one point, 100 of them committed mass suicide. Catholic law forbade the enslavement of Christians, but Columbus solved this problem. He simply refused to baptize the native people of Hispaniola. On his second trip to the New World, Columbus brought cannons and attack dogs. If a native resisted slavery, he would cut off a nose or an ear. If slaves tried to escape, Columbus had them burned alive. Other times, he sent attack dogs to hunt them down, and the dogs would tear off the arms and legs of the screaming natives while they were still alive. If the Spaniards ran short of meat to feed the dogs, Arawak babies were killed for dog food. Columbus' acts of cruelty were so unspeakable and so legendary, even in his own day, that Governor Francisco de Bobadilla arrested Columbus and his two brothers, slapped them into chains, and shipped them off to Spain to answer for their crimes against the Arawaks. But the king and queen of Spain, their treasury filling up with gold, pardoned Columbus and let him go free. <laughs> we've we've heard about things like that before, right? Letting the criminals go free. Didn't we do that with Wachovia a while back? Anyway, um, H HSBC in, in London. Didn't you guys do that over there? Okay, back to the point. One of Columbus' men, Bartolome de las Casas, was so mortified by Columbus' brutal atrocities against the native peoples that he quit working for Columbus and became a Catholic priest. He described how the Spaniards under Columbus' command cut off the legs of children who ran from them to test the sharpness of their blades. According to De Las Casas, the men made bets as to who, with one sweep of his sword, could cut a person in half. He says that Columbus men poured people full of boiling soap. In a single day, De Las Casas was an eyewitness as the Spanish soldiers dismembered, beheaded, or raped 3,000 native people. Quote, such inhumanities and barbarisms were committed in my sight as no age can parallel. De Las Casas wrote, my eyes have seen these acts so foreign to human nature that now I tremble as I write. De Las Casas spent the rest of his life trying to protect the helpless native people, but after a while, there were no more natives to protect. Experts generally agreed that before 1492, the population on the island of Hispaniola probably numbered about 3 million. Within 20 years of Spanish arrival, it was reduced to only 60,000. Within 50 years, not a single original native inhabitant could be found. In 1516, Spanish historian Peter Martyr wrote, a ship without compass, chart, or guide, but only following the trail of dead Indians who had been thrown from the ships could find its way from the Bahamas to Hispaniola. 
Christopher Columbus derived most of his income from slavery, De Las Casas noted. In fact, Columbus was the first slave trader in the Americas. As the native slaves died off, they were replaced with black slaves. Columbus' son became the first African slave trader in 1505. Are you surprised you never learned about any of this in school? I am too. Why do we have this extraordinary gap in our American mythology? Columbus himself kept detailed diaries, as did some of his men, including De Las Casas and Michel de Cuneo. If you don't believe me, just Google the words Columbus, sex slave, and gold mine. Columbus' reign of terror is one of the darkest chapters in our history. The real question is, why do we celebrate a holiday in honor of this man? Let's come clean, people. Let's tell the truth about Christopher Columbus. Let's boycott this outrageous holiday because it honors a mass murderer. If we skip the cute song about in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, I don't think our first graders will miss it much, do you? True, Columbus' brutal treatment of peaceful Native Americans was so horrific, maybe we should hide the truth about Columbus until our kids reach at least high school age. Let's teach it to them about the same time we tell them about the Nazi death camps. The Columbus Day celebrations are the dysfunctional rituals of a conqueror society. It is true that there were dark sides to Native cultures. They apparently practiced human sacrifice in some of the New World cultures sometimes. Warfare was a regular feature of nearly all societies. The people of the New World were human, but in the areas of viciousness and avarice, on a scale of 10, the Western Hemisphere's natives probably ranked a 2 or 3, and Europeans a 9. <laughs> America celebrates Columbus Day because Columbus was, in quotes, a winner. Professional American historians have gone their entire lives and never learned about the dark side of Columbus's legacy. One student wrote, it seems to me as if the publishers had just printed up some glory story that was supposed to make us feel more patriotic about our country. In our group, we talked about the possibility of the government trying to protect young students from such violence. We soon decided that was probably one of the farthest things from their minds. They want us to look at our country as great and powerful and forever right. They want us to believe Columbus was a real hero. We're being fed lies. We don't question the facts. We just absorb information that is handed to us because we trust the role models that are handing it out. Happy Columbus Day, everyone.